This is Five on Three. Center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Five on Three, WFUV's NHL podcast is back in action. Tyler Mooney, Samantha Bohr here. I'm Chris Hennessy. Tyler loves me a homemade oven mitt's worth. I don't know if you guys heard. He got me this uh, Islanders oven mitt from the Senators game. That's the best thing I've ever um, seen. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. Uh, so thank you, Tyler. Uh, how are we doing? Swell. You know, kind of. Trekking, <laughs> my God. Trekking <laughs> through it, I suppose. Hey, Nate McKinnon's hand isn't broken. Oh, my God. So you that you should be very happy about. I was in the Ram van on the way up here. For all of our listeners that don't know what a Ram van is. <laughs> A Ram van is the van that takes you between the campuses, and our mascot is a Ram here at Fordham University. Henceforth, Ram van. I was in the Ram van, my favorite place to be, when I saw that tweet, and I was so excited because Nathan McKinnon will be on the ice tonight, according to Coach Bednar, which just made my freaking day because he went from maybe serious long-term injury to now being back. So he's an animal. I love him. Anyways, how are you, Tyler? I'm doing well. My my roommate is an Avalanche fan. So you have a roommate that's a Senators fan. An yes. Avalanche fan and a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. Yes, Jacksonville Jaguars. So we hit all we hit all corners, <laughs> hit but, uh, all corners of the. I earth was here. clowning him for. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, McKinnon's gonna be out for a while. You guys might be in a little more trouble, and of course, then he comes back tonight. But uh, yeah, so yeah, so that backfired. That did backfire. <laughs> the Rangers don't play tonight because they played back to back games. They win last night. They win a Georgiev game, and when I say a Georgiev game, I mean a game where Georgiev stunk. So bad. Like he was really bad. Uh, he was really bad. Concerning, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. When he let up that second goal, I was like, I was like, okay, they're not gonna pull him, but I would be really close to pulling him right now. Uh, it's similar to the Buffalo game, he gave up four goals in that game too, but they also won five four in overtime. Some of the yeah. goals in this game were a, a little worse, though. Uh, I guess, I mean, at the end of the day, he's not gonna see the ice in the playoffs unless Shesterkin gets hurt, and if Shesterkin gets hurt, the Rangers are probably screwed anyway. So. Yeah, it, it is what it is at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been saying that all season. Like, I, I mean, I hate to sound like a broken record, but like we've been saying it all season that Igor is the reason that this team will go far if they do go far, or at least the main reason. So yeah, Gorgiev, oh God, I don't know. He's just not the greatest, but you know what? He's doing better than I am, I guess, so I can't say too much about him. I can barely stay upright on skates, <laughs> so he's doing great. But, yeah, I mean, that was his win for a fourth straight start dating back to March 15th, according to NHL.com, and it's, the lo- it's tying the longest win streak of his career. So Hey, good for you. Huh. Good for Alexander Gorgiev. Probably some of the worst hockey he's played in his career. Yeah. And totally. yet it's his longest win streak. That's just that's goalies right there. That is <laughs> that is goaltending. That is trying to figure out what goaltending is yeah. in the National Hockey League, if I've ever heard it. Yeah, I mean, look, this was not a pretty game. Uh but you did you did get some good goals and you have Andrew Kopp winning the game uh in overtime. I I like what Gerard Gallant is doing in terms of he isn't sticking the new guys with one line and leaving them there. Like we saw Vitrano play with Panarin, and now um, you have Cop getting the assist from Panarin in overtime. So I like what I'm seeing there. However, the Vitrano Panarin connection has been there all week. Vitrano has scored five goals in his six games as a Ranger, and he didn't score in the first one. So five goals in five games, and. I, I'm liking what I'm seeing from that connection, especially with Zibanejad in the center. Absolutely. that uh, It's only been one week since the trade deadline, but that's absolutely been the trade of the deadline so far in the NHL. Only a fourth-round pick, and he's I think he's got eight points in six games, like you said, five goals. And getting a winger not—I mean, we've talked about this before. Dryden Hunt, 
great effort player, always brings it out there, but he you need someone a little bit more skilled offensively he, to he play. Has a, he has a place on a team. It's just not, it's next, just to not next to Panarin. Frank Vitrano is much more accustomed and much better equipped to play with a guy like Panarin. And just the overall forward group as a whole looks so much more well-rounded now, and they're not even healthy. There was no Strom last night, and Kako's obviously been out for a long time. We'll see. I have no idea when he's coming back. They said at the beginning of April, it's, which is tomorrow. Yeah, yeah so we'll so. see. I would love that. But uh, I love him. Cop has <laughs> Cop's got, I think, seven points since he came to the Rangers as well. And the fourth line looks great with uh, Tyler Mott, Brodzinski, who... 28 years old, I don't really know how we haven't seen this guy before. The Rangers have been really not good the and last injured, few years. And injured and hurt. This guy never he came looked, up. Yeah, he's an absolutely amazing addition you, yeah. to the fourth line. I'd much rather see him out there than you know Ryan Reeves or something. I think. When I saw him on the screen last night, I was like, that's the oldest looking 24-year-old I've ever seen in my life, and that he was 28. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> but yeah, I think the forward group as a whole is just so much more balanced out now with the additions of Mott and Cop and Vetrano and it's what the it's what the Rangers needed, so it's definitely definitely coming on at the right time. Yeah, totally. I think the Rangers got away like bandits at the trade deadline. Like considering what they gave away for what they got, they were definitely the winners of this deadline. Like you said, I mean, Vetrano has six points, Cop has seven, Mott has eighteen hits, so he's definitely that more physical presence that they want and need as well. That was a hysterical graphic that TNT put up yesterday. Is it? Is it this one? Oh, that's NHL Network. Oh, yes. okay. But it's it's so funny because it's, and I'm not saying that the deadline acquisitions have been bad. They haven't been bad. They've been very good. But it's like making the Tyler Mott one try to look like the Frank Vitrano <laughs> one. Yeah, and right. It's like it's not. Like Frank Vitrano and Andrew Kopp have been very good, and Tyler Mott has just like slammed into people. Like that's what they wanted them to do. So like, and you know what? He's doing what he's supposed to do. If your yeah. job is to slam into people and be big, then that's what he's doing. I mean, you need someone besides Ryan Reeves to finally throw some hands because yeah. the Rangers don't fight like they do but they don't in my the games that I've been to are so peaceful and so tame <laughs> and I don't like it I'm like where where's the action I love a good fight and if Reeves is the only guy throwing hands then okay didn't he Reeves scored last yes. night yes yeah. he did the first he goal did. first goal I was like yes. all right he has good for scored you, in two games this year and they've both been on TNT so Woo. no he scored in the Islander game too did, did no he? no no he's got three goals this year so he's he scored two he in the so Toronto game. He has so many we game. can't even keep track of them. And then he scored one. He, I I remember this, Chris. He made the he, he made, made the a, pass. He made the, he pass. made the pass. It was basically a goal. Okay, yeah, it but it was like, nice well, Ryan Reeves really beat us. Yeah, uh, yeah. Rangers, November twenty twenty one. Yeah, I yes, you're right, you're right. I'm remembering this now. So you just got to get him on. So in the playoffs, he's going to be an absolute assassin, is what you're saying. Yes, totally. That's what okay. I'm <laughs> totally getting moved to the front line. <sighs> Goodbye, Artemi Panarin. It's yeah, Ryan Reeves. It's Ryan Reeves time because on national TV. Uh, he's the guy. Speaking of, uh, he's a, Connor McDavid reaches a hundred points last night. I don't know if you saw. He had oh. some unreal plays last night. He was, he was a joy to watch against the Kings. He's the first player to a hundred points this season. I feel like we haven't really talked about him in MVP consideration because of how good Matthews has been and how good Shesterkin has been, and certainly got Johnny Gaudreau getting some recognition for that. But McDavid has scored at the rate we know McDavid could score at. And is Quigs making fun of me back there? Maybe. <laughs> Uh, score at the rate we know he could score at and uh, has played a pretty good defensive game too. He had some good defensive plays last night. So McDavid um, in the in the lead for the Art Ross right now. I think it's it's just it's people don't talk about McDavid as much for the MVP race just because he's we expect this of him now. He's right. McDavid, like he's, yeah. He's, this is normal for him. Yeah. 
I agree. It's what he is. It's what he's been every other year. He's known as one of the greatest on ice right now and maybe ever. He's great at what he does. So, yeah, this isn't as, I think, unexpected from him as maybe it is out of Igor, out of Austin Matthews, out of people like that. But even Johnny Gaudreau is not surprising. Like, his nickname's Johnny Hockey, for Christ's sake. <laughs> like, I love watching Johnny Gaudreau play. Like, I think he is phenomenal. And he's got the coolest nickname, dare I say. Like, if your name is just Johnny Hockey, that's so sick. So, <laughs> I think that's just that's so sick. So, I think it's not surprising. I don't think he will win. I think that he'll be up there in consideration, like we were talking about. But I don't think yeah. he'll win. I think, I don't know. He'll get votes. He might even be a finalist. Yeah. I think the third the third finalist right now is between him and Goodrill. And, you know, it'll be Matthew Shesterkin and one of the other two. And, um, well-deserved. And the other one will probably be fourth and, and well-deserved as well. So, yeah. um, definitely been a good season for him. Uh what else we got to talk about here? We got we got um some GM meetings going on right now. Oh yes. In sunny Florida. I want to cover the GM meetings. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be fun. Just go to Florida. That. Let's do it. And listen in on listen in. the inner workings. Exactly. Uh they're going on right now and a couple things have happened. The first thing that happened that's actually firmly happened is it's a confirmation that the salary cap will go up by 1 million dollars next year, uh which is good because they told us that it would be stagnant for four years, and now in year three of the the flat cap, it's actually going up a million dollars, which is good. But when you look at the other three sports, it's not good because the luxury tax threshold has gone up in the MLB and the NBA over the last two years. And after one year of actually going down, the NFL salary cap has gone up. Uh, and this is on the heels of the NHL signing a record television deal for their their league, and I I don't really understand it, to be perfectly honest. I, I understand that we were told that escrow is building, and we need four years to get out of it, even with the ESPN and TNT deals, but Tyler, I mean, sure, great. It's going to be 82 and a half instead of 81 and a half, but at the end of the day, like, don't you look around and, and realize that you are the outlier here? Absolutely. I mean, like you said, I guess it's good that it goes up, but it's such a small amount of money that it doesn't really make a difference. Uh it is also good that it's going up because they said that it wouldn't uh, in this time frame. So I guess one can just has to hope at this point that <laughs> when the the TV deal is fully able to kick in and the flat cap time frame that they set has expired, that it'll begin to go up substantial amounts of money. Because like you said, Chris, if you look at the salary caps or luxury taxes of the four major sports, the NHL is so, so much less than all the other sports. So uh and it's okay, yeah, so you can say it's so much say less. <laughs> yeah. You could say it's so much less and yeah, sure they have the second the second smallest roster behind the NBA. But you look at just player salaries. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, the NFL has 52 players on the team on a $250 million salary cap. But Aaron Rodgers getting paid $50 million yes. next year. Yeah. Connor McDavid's getting paid 12 and a half. Yes. So But I, don't I think know. part of that also speaks to like what we've been talking about how, how hockey is like the least mainstream of the four major sports. I mean, we, we've oh, talked course, about how they yeah. need to increase their marketing this whole year, this whole mm-hmm. season. And like, I look at things where I'm like, wow, $12 million. That's a lot of money for a player to make. I'm like, considering like Jack Johnson's making, I think like $650,000 this year in the abs. I'm like, wow, that's a big discrepancy between that and 12 and a half million. And then I'm like, well, Max Crosby also just signed a $200 million contract with the Raiders. Right. So I'm like, that doesn't really mean much in the greater context. I don't know. The million dollars for the salary cap. Okay, cool. 
it's not going to do much. Some article I was reading, I think on The Athletic, was saying that, like, this will be great for the teams that were, like, just barely out of the running for making big trades at the deadline because they just couldn't afford it. And I was like, okay, good for you. I don't know how, how real that is. It was like, this is great for, like, San Jose and the Oilers. And I was like, okay, I don't know how great it's really going to be. It's $1 million. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I think there are other things that are maybe coming out of these GM meetings that'll be more impactful, but we'll see. Well, one is potentially expanding the salary cap into the playoffs and eliminating this LTIR loophole, which I think is the dumbest thing in the history of time. Really? Because, yeah, did Tampa cheat their way to a cup? I guess you could technically could say so. But if it's not working for Vegas. No. It, this, we're, we're getting proof right now, as we speak, that it's not going to work every single time. So... Keep it there. Let people let people shoot themselves in the foot. Vegas is not a likable team because they've assembled a super team and are paying $100 million in an $82 million cap league. So without Mark Stone, they aren't going to make the playoffs. Dallas is going to jump them. So I, I don't think this is a loophole that should be closed. I think they should keep going. And if you want to take the risk, go for it. It worked for Patrick Kane and the Blackhawks. It worked for Nikita Kucherov and the Lightning. It's not working for Mark Stone and the Knights. Yeah, I personally, I wouldn't say I really have strong feelings either way I mean I I agree it's not it's a loophole yes but would I say the lightning you know cheated their way to a cup no that's the system that's in place and teams have taken advantage of it before and it's worked and they have taken advantage of it after and it's clearly not working it's not a good strategy to hold your players out your your best players because they're the ones making the most money out so then you can you know maybe make the playoffs and then try and tack it on after and make a run I do understand the argument that you know we're playing under a salary cap so that should extend all of a sudden when teams make the playoffs suddenly the salary cap theoretically goes away but I mean at the end of the day if a majority of GMs want to change it and they're able to find a fair way to close the loophole I'm fine with it but it's not I don't think it's as pressing of an issue as some people do yeah I agree I mean I, I kind of feel similarly to that. I'm like, sure, close it if you want. I do understand the whole premise of it, where it is you play this way the entire rest of the season, and obviously playoffs and postseason is different. We know that. We know it's very different. But still, it's like, why does that precedent go away? I don't know. But also, you, on the flip side, like you said, it's not the smartest strategy. I mean, obviously, it's not working for Vegas, like we just said, with Stone and the Lightning had to be a deep enough roster then to make it to the playoffs without their best player. Like, if they can do that without Nikita Kucherov, they deserve to win the Stanley Cup. I'm sorry. If you can do that without your best player, make it to the playoffs, sure. Would they have maybe won without him? I don't know. But they at least made it without him. He didn't play, like, the entire season. So, I don't know. Whatever. I think it'll be really interesting to see how that all turns out at the end of these dealings. Yeah. I don't know. I just... <laughs> it seems much more shady what Vegas is doing because at least they Tampa, traded for it was it was one player and he was out the whole year and like that was it. But with Vegas, it's like every other week I feel like there's someone new on long term <laughs> well, IR. Stone is legitimately hurt. But, yeah, but the the shady Eichel part is Pacioretty was on it at Pacioretty, one point. Yeah. It's like they it, traded for Eichel before Stone got hurt, and yeah. that's that's the shady yeah. part. I yeah. agree with you is they happen to luck into Mark Stone having a serious back injury that he can't play. And I apparently there's no guarantee he would be able to play in the playoffs huh. if if they were to make it. So, And I keep saying that because they have been so terrible yeah. so bad. of late. 
they are not in. Oh, they are in the playoffs now. I guess they won. Yeah, Dallas, they beat, Dallas has a good amount of games in hand. They have four them. games in hand and are oh, only a point back. So they're ahead of them in points percentage, but they're behind them in points and regulation wins, which is odd. But Dallas has thirteen regular uh, overtime and shootout wins, so they're six. They're six behind Vegas, and that and that's one of the tiebreakers. So if they end up huh. tied, that could that could certainly become something that's interesting. But they do have four games in hand, so I. I would think that Dallas, you know, I don't think they did a very good job at the trade deadline, but I think that they could probably leapfrog Vegas because Robin Leonard isn't necessarily 100% healthy still, and they don't have Mark Stone, and Jack Eichel is still getting his feet under him. So I, I don't think that Vegas is going to make the playoffs, but it's certainly possible that they do because Dallas has been very streaky all year long, and they certainly could lose 10 games in a row, and nobody would exactly be surprised by that. Uh, they're just a very weird team. Uh in general, and that will continue into this uh, into this playoff race in the West, which is really the only playoff race left, is for that last spot between Vegas at 78 points from 69 games, Dallas with 77 points from 65 games, and Winnipeg with 76 points from 68 games. Hmm. I think Vancouver's pretty much out of it, and the East is locked up. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the only playoff race really left, except for seeding and who's playing who, and I don't know. Be interesting to see how Vegas uh, attacks the end of the season. I don't, I don't think it's <laughs> Vegas missing the playoffs. Is I know if they end up missing, which if you had to pick one, I would say they probably would miss it at this point. So many people are gonna. Oh my God! They they spent all this money. They signed all these players, but at the end of the day, you know, they were never healthy this entire season from sure. start to finish. And when you trade for a guy like Jack Eichel. And you know the contract that he has. You're not just trading for him for one year. This is for the future, the next three, four years. So I think you know, obviously, Vegas they would want to make the playoffs this year. <laughs> but at the end of the day, they're not winning the cup, even if they do make the playoffs. And I think having the summer to get fully healthy, to fully analyze and figure out this cap issue, which there it's a mess. I think that going into next year. That's when the the window, I mean, it's been open, but I guess the Jack Eichel window really opens. Really opens. I think it's it's interesting. This is a team that's essentially not doing quite the same thing as the Islanders per se, but it's somewhat of like a mirror image where like we always talk about like my favorite example of worst to first is obviously the Blues. That was like the craziest run in the history of my lifetime probably or what I remember. But going from first to worst as well, when like you make the finals in your inaugural season, and now you might not even make the playoffs, but you have all the recipe to do so. Not that much has changed. I mean, besides getting rid of the goaltender, Marc-Andre Fleury, which I still think is one of the stupidest trade decisions made in recent history. And I'll stand by that. Um, well, it's just because they didn't get anything for him. Well, it's like you could you, you can't you can't go into this season with twelve million dollars in goaltending, but you need to get something for the one you trade away, and they got a nobody. They got nobody, and if you're gonna trade him to a team that sucks, where he doesn't want to go, when he has been so good to your franchise, carried you to the Stanley Cup Finals, you're not. I I still get so heated about this because we know he didn't even find out from the team. He found out on Twitter. Yeah, someone sent him a tweet. That is just so disrespectful to me. But Mark Archifleri is doing fine now. I don't know if we want to segue that way now, but he is doing. <laughs> excellent now and i'm a big fan of flower i love him i think he's awesome i just i can't i can't help it we we certainly will talk about flower and just i want to make one last point about vegas i i think 
you're right, Tyler, that this is not a one-year window. I know you're right because Eichel signed long-term. Stone signed long-term. The big guys are. But you need more than one line, and they're going to lose Riley Smith. They're going to lose Matias Yanmark. They might try to trade Dadnov again. Uh. This <laughs> this could be this this could be very bad. Like this could turn into a team that looks a lot like the Maple Leafs, where it's one line of really good forwards, or a line and a half of really good forwards, and nothing else, uh, because they they don't have this loophole to, to go through. Yeah, just because you mentioned Dadanov, I another thing from the GM meetings that is coming up is that they're saying they're going to make a centralized um, database. They should call it Central Registry. Honestly, they should. Are they gonna? Maybe. <laughs> you should suggest it. You should be like, Yo, hey NA- guys. <laughs> I wonder if this name is taken. <laughs> I wonder if this name is taken. Hey guys, um, Morons. how do you feel about this? Email of commissioner. Yeah. Hey, G Batman at NHL.com. Yeah, literally. You should call it Central Registry. I think Central that Registry. name is available. Yeah. Well, Sincerely, the 5 on 3 podcast. Sincerely, the 5 on 3 podcast. Well, because they're doing, because of the whole dad and kerfuffle with his trade. It's a good word. They're trying. Thank you. I try to work it in whenever I can. Because <laughs> of the kerfuffle, they're trying to now make a Central Registry because that whole thing was because they're like, we don't have his no trade list, blah, 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 blah. Well, now it's not going to be an issue of just agent and club. It's going to be a centralized database of all of the no trade lists, which I think is a good idea because it avoids Evgeny Dadanov things in the future. But also, if those leak, that is going to be chaos. And I feel like this makes yeah. it so much easier for all of those lists to leak. And I think that people are going to really dislike that when they find out that their favorite players do not want to go to their team. Exactly. When AK, no one wants to go to any of the Canadian right. teams. Yeah. Right. <laughs> when all the guys whose names have EAU in them don't want to have Montreal on their list. Absolutely. It's like, oh, wait a second. Yeah. What's going on are there? Are our fans really toxic to French guys? <laughs> no way. No way. You can't possibly be saying. Oh, my gosh. Even Crazy. though we're in a French territory? Crazy. That's insane. Marc-Andre Fleury's good at hockey, man. He is good And at I'm hockey. so happy for him because you're right, Sam. He got done dirty by... Vegas last summer, and he gets traded to Minnesota. And in his first two games, he goes two and zero with a nine fifty save percentage. He's incredible in his first two games. They're throwing flowers onto the ice. Uh, amazing stuff, absolutely amazing stuff. Minnesota, I think, is the team of the people this year. I think if you're not rooting for, uh, yeah, Lily Hoig is giving me a thumbs up back Lily there. Loves the Wild. She loves the Wild. They're the team of the people this year. If you're not rooting for the Wild and your te- with with your team out of it, which I'm the only person in this room who's in that situation, <laughs> I understand. But if you're not through rooting for the Wild, I think you're a crazy person. Um, so yeah, good for him. Yeah, I think if uh, if there's going to be a team that is able to knock off Colorado, it would either be the Wild or the Flames. Yeah. We've obviously seen Mark Andre Fleury take down the Colorado Avalanche in the past, and for the Wild, goaltending seemed to be their biggest issue. They had a little bit of a down stretch before the trade down that month prior, and a large part of that was because Cam Dalbit and Capo Kakinen were just not getting it done whatsoever. And now they have Flurry. I think Talbot is much more suited for the backup role, which he is now. And they're eight one and one in the last ten games. So I know Flurry's only been there for two, but you can already see the in his performance in these last two games how how valuable the goaltending is. And the Wild have a very deep and well rounded team and adding up goalie with championship experience like Flurry is only going to add to that so much more. 100%. I mean, as much as I also hate to admit it, as we know, I am a, I'm a born and raised Avs girl, but totally. I mean, we've seen Flurry take the Avs down before. You saw it in 
round one of the Stanley Cup or round two of the Stanley Cup when he was playing for Vegas. We saw that happen that year. We've seen him do it before. And I think that part of the reason why he is succeeding on the wild, I mean, he said that he loved the environment in the locker room in Chicago, and that's great. But I think playing for a team that has a chance is obviously very motivational because there wasn't much Flurry could do in Chicago to pull that team out of the depths. But there is a lot he can do in Minnesota, and it's a great motivator. And like you said, they have an excellent roster. I mean, they have like Fiala now, they have Flurry, they have a lot of people on that roster who are just fantastic. So I think that. The Wild, Matt Dumba, Kro Kaprizov. Kro Kaprizov is so good at hockey. Yeah, he's fun to watch. He is so fun to watch, and he is so good at hockey. Um, Dumba is the one who Nathan McKinnon got in that fight with where we didn't know about his hand that we were mentioning earlier. That's where that came from. So a little bit of animosity towards him at the moment on my side, <laughs> but no hard feelings. It's okay, Matt Dumba, if you hear this, we're, we're fine. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for Marc-Andre Fleury. I love him. The pictures of him holding up his flowers afterwards are so cute. When he says, I feel like a figure skater <laughs> going to skate around and collect all the flowers. And he's like, he's living in a hotel right now because obviously he doesn't have a place yet in Mini. And he's like, oh, it helps brighten up my hotel room. And I'm like, how can you hate that guy? That's the sweetest <laughs> thing ever. So happy for him. The Wild are fantastic. I hope to not face them in the playoffs very soon. But it very well may yeah, happen. Yeah, you're not going to get your wish on that one. No, 100% Because not. of this dumb playoff format. Yep. Oh, well. Oh, well. Um, Minnesota also has a very interesting offseason coming up, and we've mentioned this before, but with the Parise and Suter buyouts, those numbers are going up by a total of $8 million next year, and Kevin Fiala is an RFA. And Fleury is obviously a UFA, so uh, it will be very interesting to see how they attack next year. They already signed Alex Goligoski, cut his salary by $3 million, which is good. It's a good start. Uh, but they do have you know Spurgeon and Brodeen and Dumba tied up. Uh, Dumba's only there for a year after this, but um, many guys tied up long-term, Spurgeon and, and Brodeen for sure, those guys, and Erickson Eck and Kaprizov. So they do have a core, a nice core, but Kevin Fial is part of that, as you mentioned. He's been very, very good this year. And at 25 years old, at $5.1 million, he's an RFA, and he's going to ask for the bag. Totally. And, and he should. And as he should. Oh, of course, as he should. And they can get, uh, you know, Something like for him, you know. Obviously, the Islanders traded Devontae's for two second round picks, and I'm still upset about it. But they still did that because now. they did that because he didn't have a contract and they couldn't afford him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the Wild could certainly do the same thing with Fiala. Although, like the Islanders with Devontae's, it'd be a huge loss, uh, and maybe more than that we realize for sure now. But Matt Boldy has been so good. Maybe they think they can fill that spot naturally. But it'll be very interesting to see how that all plays out. Uh, come. The playoffs, it looks like they're going to play St. Louis hmm. or Nashville. St. Louis or Nashville. Those well, teams are within one point of each other. Minnesota-St. Louis would be a lot of fun. Minnesota-Nashville would be good, too. Fleury against Soros, I think, would be kind of a fun goalie matchup there. And uh, Colorado running away with the one spot, not only in the Central, but in the West. And not really with the President's Trophy yet. They got four points on Florida and Carolina. They're both tied to 96. Colorado got to 100 on Tuesday night, 47-14-6. Pretty amazing. And as we mentioned, yeah, they're starting to get a little bit healthier now. Yeah, thank God. So that's good. Um, anything else before we get to Eugene Melnick that we want to talk about? No, nothing? All right, so we got to talk about Eugene Melnick, the owner of the Ottawa Senators, who passed away the other day in, in his 60s. He's 62 years old. Uh, just a horribly timed uh, passing. And I, I've listened to a lot to try and, you know, get ready for, for what we're doing now and talking about it. And he has such a complicated legacy. 
Because obviously he comes in in 2003 and saves the franchise from moving. But he has, in the eyes of many fans, completely butchered this rebuild. He severed relationships with Daniel Alfredson, Eric Carlson, didn't get what they thought they could have gotten from Mark Stone. So on the hockey side, and even on the personal side, there are some things where you're like, wow, this doesn't seem like the greatest guy. But then you hear other stories, and it's like, wow, you know, he has the the children's hospital in Ottawa. And so a very complicated legacy, but obviously gone far too soon. Yes, gone far too soon, an extremely polarizing character. I mean, especially in the last few years, it, it seems like there has not been a lot, if any, positive news coming out of Ottawa. I think they're they're out of this stage now, but there was a period of time, you know, 2019, 2020, where they were the laughing stock of the NHL. Easily, kind of. I would say the Coyotes have taken over that. Yeah, uh, yeah, that yeah. Mantle. <laughs> yeah. But they, it's getting harder and harder to defend the Ottawa moves. Yeah, like Nick Paul, the trading Nick Paul it doesn't make any sense if you actually want to win. Yes. Anyways, continue. But uh, yeah, obviously a really polarizing character. At the end of the day, like you said, Chris, without Eugene Melnick, there is no, there are no Ottawa Senators right now. They declared bankruptcy in two thousand three, and he came in, bought the team kept them in Ottawa but um again like a lot of it seems just a lot of burned bridges along the way whether it be with former players with members of the media with just local business associations um but definitely some high points in his tenure as Senators owner as well they made the Stanley Cup final in and 2006 they were one game away one, from getting back one goal away from getting back in 2017 not too long ago so yeah, very polarizing figure, but definitely did a lot of good for that community in Ottawa and just hockey as a whole in Ottawa because, like I said, without him, there is no Ottawa Senators team there currently. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there were rumors or something about him wanting, or he said that maybe he'd have to relocate the team in a while, and everyone was so adamantly opposed to that. I mean, he ended up not doing so, obviously, and his loss is, I mean, any loss is always very tragic, but he was not that old either, which is so sad. 62, like my dad's 62, like that's oh, terrible. Mm-hmm. He did, especially because he thought for the last while, I was reading everything that said that they thought he got like a new lease on life in 2015 when he had his liver transplant, which this was one of the favorite stories I read was that his transplant was an anonymous donor that they found via like a public call for I actually remember that, like reading yeah. that like sparked yeah. my memory, like it was... It was like life or death. Yeah, like yeah. It, it was. It, I mean, he only had like a. There's week. the athletic article, but he in that article, I mean, they have stuff that Melnick wrote where he was like at the time he was like, yeah, like I'm prepared to die. Like he, yeah, it was, yeah. he was I writing it being his. A big he was thing. writing his will. He yeah, was doing was, everything. Like he was getting his affairs in order and like yes. saying he was beginning to cope with saying goodbye to his loved ones. And then a fan, someone in the hockey community, in the Ottawa Senators community is the one who donated the liver for the transplant. And the I have the note pulled up here about what the, the doctor said to him, and it says, The donor has asked me to tell you that the motivation to do this is to help Mr. Melnick return to good health, to enjoy his family and friends, and most importantly, to bring the Stanley Cup home to the Ottawa Senators. I, just, I don't know. Something about that is just so touching to me that it's like in this hockey community, like even if you don't love the guy, even if he's not your favorite, you still want something. And like these teams have such strong communities, and he was such a pivotal character for – Ottawa for the Senators that someone 
stepped up and donated a physical part of their body to continue his life. So very sad about his passing. Very controversial guy, like we said. Some of his comments in press conferences were really fun to read, mm-hmm. where it was like the anybody that says we should blow up this organization should get their own bomb and blow themselves up. I don't know if that would fly in a lot of press rooms nowadays. No, definitely but. not. And it's interesting, you know, you mentioned the 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 second lease on life. It feels like a lot of the the um, controversial things he did or said came after that. Mm. Yeah, which is very interesting. He re rehashes a relationship with Daniel Alfredson. Mm-hmm. He comes back to the organization. They retire his number, and within a year, he resi- Alfredson yeah. resigns. And then the comments about. Uh, at the outdoor game, he where he openly said like we're considering relocating the Senators franchise. Uh, that was in 27. That was right after they went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Oh, that was the next okay. season. Uh, the the Eric Carlson investigation into his injury that was a little bit before 2015. But that and this story you mentioned it from the Athletic. This is from oh god, Ian Mendez is the name. He yes. covers the Ottawa Senators, and it's really really interesting where he talks about how this is a guy who's covered the Senators seemingly since since they returned to Ottawa, at least a long time, if not, not that long. And he talks about how in the last couple of years, he had no contact with the owner, even after having a extremely good personal and professional relationship with him. How because he was negative about the Mark Stone trade, mm-hmm. about the rebuild, Eugene had basically cut him off. Yeah, And it's a complicated legacy, to say the least, and obviously... Um, May you rest in peace, and, and I mean, there's nothing, it was just very sudden on, uh, I guess it was Monday, and yeah, it's the interesting, interesting what's going to happen next. Obviously, they just hired Pierre Maguire, Pierre Dorian's been there for a long time, and there was no real succession plan in place. This wasn't, this wasn't like when Bill Wirtz died and there was a son to take it over, that this isn't that situation. Um, so, it'll be very interesting to see what happens next, but obviously the, the main thought now is... Uh, with his family and uh, those he loved. So that is that for this week's episode of Five on Three. We have a lot to get to for this week in terms of covering games. I'm leaving in a couple hours to go to UBS Arena. You and Col- you and Colin, Tyler and Colin, are going to the Garden tomorrow. You two are going to the Prudential Center on Sunday. Yes. Then the Rangers are playing the Devils again on Tuesday. So it's a nice little local round robin we got going on here, which will be a lot of fun. Um, and before that, Devils play tomorrow at noon against the Florida Panthers. Oh, that should be fun. That should be like a very fun game. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. I'm hoping they serve waffles <laughs> at the arena because it, it's like brunch time. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, yes, the Islanders play the Panthers in a couple weeks. I'm very excited to go to that game because they're a fun team to watch. And they uh, they definitely are are a lot of fun. And uh, Tyler's uh, – no, not Tyler. Thomas is going to – Rangers Flyers, Thomas Quigley, going to Rangers Flyers on Sunday. So that's that's going to do it for us. we got a lot of good stuff. Uh, we have a five-on-three award show planned for the end of the regular season. Right. You guys haven't submitted your votes yet. I will do I'm so I'm waiting until like, yeah, the you very gotta wait. End. You can wait. I'm going to wait. Can I edit my vote yeah, once absolutely. I put it in? Yes, okay. they're not okay. due until the day after the regular season. So do whatever you please. But we have a five-on-three award show. We want to tease that. I don't know how we're going to do it yet. Figure it out. Uh, until then... Till next week. Last week I said we were going to see you in April. That was a lie. I forgot there was 31 days in March. <laughs> so next week we will absolutely see you in April because next week, tomorrow is April. Mm. So we'll see you in April, which is a lot of fun. What usually is the first week of the playoffs as we head into the last month of the regular season. For Tyler Mooney and Samantha Bohr, 
I'm Chris Hennessy. We will talk to you next week.